Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And on The Stack, we review a bunch of comics that came out this week, but no Punisher comics because Pete isn't here. Exactly. This is a Pete-less sandwich, <laughs> uh, so we're just going to have uh, a... Pete-less pita? A Pete-less pita is what Pete-less it is. Pita. It's go. like a tofu. It's like an impossible burger of a podcast. Yeah. Instead of gyro meat, it's hero meat, which is uh, my meatless substitute for gyro meat. Well, nice. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like a gyro, like, a like the, uh, yeah. the spitting thing. Gyro, some people call it. Yes, no, I know that what you mean. What right. is, uh, are you talking about having a gyro hero? Uh, I'm just saying, like, if you're going to have a meatless substitute for a gyro, maybe you call it hero. I see, because it's like saving the day. Yes, I just wanted to get that out of the way at the top of our comic book review podcast. You're launching your um, meatless gyro, your Greek meatless company. Yes, if you want to check it out, uh, you got to go to the website. I don't want to give it to you because we're trying to give a real underground feel. No, that's smart. Like all great businesses start by not <laughs> telling people about them. It's true. That's how uh, Subway Sandwiches started. Right? It was, it was, it was literal, literally, it, literally underground. It's true. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Let's jump into the last issue of Curse Words. Curse Words number 25. This is by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown, all wrapping up in this issue as Wizard... Goes toe-to-toe with Syzygy for the fate of the entire world. What did you think about this wrap-up? I mean, I feel like this book has just constantly given you exactly what it promised. It was like, we are going to have take this uh, concept of a wizard who comes to Earth. He's a bad guy. He's a bad dude. He's an asshole, and he's going to be that way. He started to become good. He had, we realized he had some stakes in his life. He had a family he was trying to take care of. And he gets to uh, sort of end his story in a fun, big, exciting way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I this That was exactly what I was thinking in terms of it staying true to itself. Yeah. Where, fair warning, there's a ground zero 9-11 joke in the middle of this book. Which yes. I was like, yo, okay, what are you doing? I mean, it was just like a reference. I don't know. I wouldn't call that like. It wasn't like, ba-dum-boom, 9-11. Yeah, no, but it, was, it had the rhythm of a joke, the way that they played it out. 
like they weren't making fun of 9-11 or anything, but it's definitely, it's pushing the envelope even in the last issue is what I mean by that, yeah. uh, which is consistent with everything. It isn't like Wizard became a good person at the end. He just became a slightly better person. And it's still gross and over the top and big. And it's a fun place they end it with, I don't think they're going to go in this direction, but... With the possibility of more if they ever wanted to revisit it, which I thought was nice. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, it's in such an interesting world, and to really, uh, not to, not spoiling anything, saying that to really open it up in the way it does at the end, I thought it was a fun way to go out. Yeah, it's good. And now that it's all over, if you never checked it out, uh, it should be coming out of trade pretty soon, so you can definitely check it out that way. Let's move on to a Marvel comic book, X-Force number two. Yeah. This ended up on a huge cliffhanger last issue where the X-Men are on the island nation of Krakoa. A bunch of Reavers descended there and assassinated Professor Xavier. Now, the X-Men, or I guess all the mutants, have resurrection technology. So we know it wasn't totally permanent, but they were actually leaving it a little more permanent than I suspected from the end there. They're a little stressed about the uh, yeah. resurrection process. They're like, come, as on, you come on, hurry up a little bit. Like, it's not like you know, when Jesus came back, it probably didn't come off flawlessly. You know? <laughs> there was like a three-day waiting period. Yeah, they were like, like, come on, roll back the rock, roll back yeah. the rock. Uh, come like, on. Hurry up, They're, they really want us to roll back this yeah. rock. The mutants, <laughs> that was a good, was that Seinfeld? That that was no, but um, that was one of the Robot uh, the Rock. Robot the Rock. Come on, you know one of the apostles was like the fun one, right? That's not fun though. That's kind of like when my kids, when we order at a diner and the person goes back to deliver the order and they're like, "Where's the food?" I'm like, "It was just fucking put in, you pieces Whoa. of shit." Oh my god! Come on, this feels real. Your Seinfeld is angry and swears at his kids. It's <laughs> shrinkage, you bitches. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Edgy. Yeah. You know, just like you know, sort of plussing it up a little bit. Sort of for... a modern Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's Steinfeld, and it stars Haley Steinfeld. Great. Yeah. Smart stuff. Uh, X-Force, though, what do you think about the second issue, Justin? Now, X-Force has the sort of uh, pedigree of like, hey, it's your favorite X-Men, but with pouches, <laughs> guns. Only knives, like, sort of, like, gimmicky in your face. Uh, and this, uh, I would, would have assumed, was going to carry on that trend. But it doesn't, I feel like. I mean, it is definitely, uh, the choices of the mutants are sort of the, like, more irreverent, badass mutants, uh, like Wolverine. Well, it's also pretty gross in the right way. Like, it definitely pushes the evolutes that way, where... They take the Reavers, they open them up, they're dissecting the Reavers and detecting things like they have wires inside of their ears. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say, is like this, rather than having the edge be like, you won't believe how edgy these mutants are. The edge is much more in like the detail and sort mm-hmm. of the interesting uh, ideas that are within. Like these Reavers aren't like decked out with uh, cyborgs with a bunch of robot parts. They're like humans who've been uh, surgically built into um, like bone cyborgs or something yeah. like like I I think that's so interesting. The characters are really fun. Um, I love how uh, you, Wolverine is called. Uh, oh, I can see inside your skull, and it's like a spent ashtray in a depression era hobo bar. Yeah, which I Good. my grand my grandparents ran a hobo bar, and they did, did not they? they didn't make any money. They didn't have any skull ashtrays in there. No, it's huh. when you're getting paid in beans. You gotta eat beans. That's <laughs> that, what they always used to say. <laughs> uh, I think this is very good. I have been enjoying most of the mutant line, and 
it's extreme in a different way, I think, is what I'd say about it. Uh, the place where it ends at the end of the issue is pretty fucked up in terms of what yeah. happens to a popular character. Um, but I'm curious. This is definitely taking the idea that, oh, these mutants are safe because they can be resurrected at any point and pushing it to the extreme to see how possible that is. Yeah, and something that seems so simple in sort of the uh, House of X, uh, Powers of Ten stuff, was like, yeah, we're just going to come back from the dead. And they're like, hey, um, Professor X was killed, and we hadn't actually figured out how this works. So right. uh, it's like when you spill coffee on your laptop, and you're like, I, I know yep. I can get this data out, but what do I do now? And I'm stressed. I'm very stressed. Yeah, that is stressful, and that happened to me once. Exactly. I spilled coffee on your laptop. Yes. Thank you for that, by the way. It taught me some important lessons about resurrecting my dad. And whoa, <laughs> that was an uh, odd side effect. Yeah. Um, you don't need all that computer stuff, Alex. You're a good person without technology. Thanks, man. Uh, speaking of which, continuing with our audio podcast that we're recording on a Zoom H6. Turn it off. We can just be <laughs> ourselves. Podcast to people's brains, man. Let's just talk. Okay, that sounds good. Turn off the mics. I don't know how to do that. Let's move on to DC Comics Black Label, The Last God, number two. This is by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who we had on our live show very recently, so go back yeah. and listen to that podcast because that was a lot of fun. This is continuing his fantasy epic. There are a bunch of creatures well, okay, two timelines. 30 years ago, a yeah. bunch of heroes defeated this evil god called, uh, was it the Void God? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, god of the Void, uh, and or at least that's what they said. The last and, god. The, the last uh, god. And 30 years later, it turns out they weren't quite truthful about that. Something was a little fishy. And some insane sort of undead monsters started infecting people. We flash between the two timelines back and forth in this issue. Uh, I loved it. And one of the things so that good. I loved it beyond the designs, which is something that we talked about before, is there's this neat visual trick they do for the different timelines where they uh, delineate them with icons. And I thought yeah. that was just a smart, simple way of telling you where we are. It's great. Every that, I think that's a great example of the attention to detail in this book is so... Uh, he talked about it on the show. He has been thinking about this for so long. A, the back matter, there he includes a song... Uh, he includes yep. a couple uh, text stories, and it's just great. It's so well thought out. It's so nice to jump into a just a warm uh, 1980s waterbed. <laughs> it is. The action is extreme. It's over the top. The character designs are absolutely insane, but the characters are also fascinating as yes. well, where I feel like with a story like this, some... Uh, the guy in the main timeline, in the quote-unquote present timeline, who is our new hero that we're following, yes. those often end up being a cipher, but the way that he's designed and the way that he acts is so much more interesting than your typical, I'm a hero who thought, fought in the gladiatorial pits, and now I'm in the middle of something bigger. Uh, because which, I think I think you're right, and I love that because no one likes a cipher. All right, I see what you're going for. <laughs> what are you talking about? I set my lowercase c. Oh, lowercase okay, c. Okay, okay. You need to learn to read my language. <laughs> you know what? Let's just turn off this podcast yeah, and see what uh, happens. Now, Let's really now who's being salty? Uh, great book. Definitely. Did you ever have a waterbed? No, I didn't. Did you ever lay in one? Sure. Very weird. I'm trying to remember. How, were they warm? 
I don't think so. I hope not. So you would just get it. Were they full of piss? Yeah, you can always, you could. Yeah, you can do anything in a waterbed. Uh, Whoa. Uh, It's like being at sea. There are no (laughs) rules. You can get married on a waterbed. Yeah. It's officially uh, international International water. Uh, Yeah, well, it's not where you get the water. As long as you fill your water out of international water, you can do whatever you want. International waterbed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I smell a second business. (laughs) I don't know if I have the time. Next one to talk about from Marvel Comics Venom. Number 20, this is a postscript to the whole absolute Mm. carnage storyline. But still a lot going on for a post. Tons going on, including evil Reed Richards finally takes off his little hat. Yeah. uh, And you get to see what his head looks like. And he needs to shave the front fronds of his hair. This is what I'm saying as well. So this is the maker, the evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe. Uh, Let's... Let's spoil some stuff here. I think we can get into oh, it just with a little Yes, a hey, come on. It's Thanksgiving almost. <laughs> Let's spoil some here's stuff. A, here's a little uh, extra stuffing and helping for you. Yeah. Helping? I'll spoil some stuff. If you don't brine your turkey for more than 24 hours, you're wasting your time. Uh, Someone told me that today, and I was like, I'm still going to do it for only 12, probably. Because <laughs> how do you get your shit together around the holidays? Right. You can't do that. You can't do that for 24 hours. That's too much time. It's got the time. Come on. All that salt water. Uh, and that's our review of Venom number 20. Uh, no, Eddie Brock, for most of the issue, is bonding with his son, who has just found out that he's a son. Uh, he also has another secret, which is that seemingly he can destroy symbiotes. The son. The son, yes. Uh, now, this is what the maker, the evil Reed Richards, is exploring. He's talking to somebody, this organization, that we don't get to see what it is until the end, but explaining to them uh, this uh, yet another Donny Cates retcon completely changing Marvel history where he outlines that all of these symbiotes have shown up at important dark points in Marvel history. Ahead of uh, large events. Almost yes. like how the Watcher shows up. You're like, whoa, something fucked up is about to happen. Yeah. And uh, what Donnie does in this book is he's saying, actually, um, a symbiote will give birth in the same way right before a major uh, intergalactic, multidimensional event. Right. So presumably the thing that's coming, we think, what's implied by the maker and implied by this book is the coming of Null, the god of the symbiotes, is coming yes. to Earth. Um, I would argue it's the other thing that's revealed at the end of the book, which is, here's the big spoiler, the maker is talking to the Council of Reeds, who we haven't seen in a really long time, and they give him permission to bring back the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Which is... That seems crazy. Especially, that, it's funny you call this like a little epilogue. But that's this is these are huge ideas yeah. with the major ramifications of the Marvel universe and incorporating stuff that has like no business being in a Venom comic. Yeah, like the Council of Reeds. What? Right. Uh, but I think it's great. I love this sort of uh, casual just drop into deep Marvel continuity because I do think if uh, this if the, the maker of this uh, Ultimate Reed is going to just have his own symbiote and be like this smart. Venom, like that's yeah, awesome. That is awesome. Uh, I think it also points to what Donnie was talking about when he was on our live show, which you could also listen to that podcast. Lots of yeah, plugs this episode. Judah Friedlander was on that. Yeah, it was a good show. Great, I had show. a good time. Me too. Uh, he he he's building this Uber story through all of his books. They're all connected, including Thor that's coming up, Guardians of the Galaxy. Thanos, Venom, all of it is one big story, and I think that's what we're getting here. I think the thing that I took away is 
yeah, you think the big universe changing event is Null coming. That's not the big thing. No. I think Reed is going to, this evil Reed, the maker, is going to totally fuck up the Marvel Universe in a very big way. Yeah, he seems like a bad dude. But again, he should just shave the front of his head He's and just, just commit there. to the lump top. Yeah, you got a you gotta lumpy top? Go for the lumpy top. It's exactly. fine. Exactly. Don't try to hide it with a couple you of... You got brains. He's you got a, know how to use them. He oddly has a, a comb under. Oh, right here. Huh. Interesting. Next, one to talk about another DC comic, Shazam, number eight. This is continuing Jeff John's book. Now, Scott Collins is doing the full art on this issue as leads. He was uh, sharing art duties with Dale Eaglesham in the last issue. Yes. Uh, and a big change to the Shazam mythology in this issue as Billy Batson continues to try to connect with his father, who has shown up for the first time in years, all of the different members of the Shazam Captain Marvel family are split between these different magical lands, uh, and ultimately we're coalescing and bringing things together. I really like this issue a lot. I thought there was a lot of great mythology that they're laying out here. They're starting to throw everything into it, and it's fun. It feels like fables. You remember Ooh, Fables? Yes. Uh, Dale Eaglesham on art before um, definitely set that tone, I feel like, and it's continuing on going forward. Um, and I like that as well. It feels it feels like a big event, but just focused in this one title, uh, and it's fun. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of story here. Um, Jeff Johns is sort of doing what he did to the Green Lantern, to Flash. Uh, he's setting up some very... Um, clear, clean lines and uh, sort of story points to hit going forward. There are these seven worlds. There are going to be um, seven Shazams are going to sit on the thrones, one in each world. We don't know who the seventh is. Uh, Black Adam shows up and he's like a bad guy, but not as bad as the other bad guys. He's like a medium bad guy who may become a good guy. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's kind of his thing always. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they have uh, the Monster Society of Evil potentially is going to come back thanks to Mr. Mind and Savannah. Uh, you have the Seven Sins show up. It's all built into this crescendo with a big, fun thing that happens towards the end that I won't spoil. Uh, but this is great. This is really good. Uh, yes. I'm excited to see where this goes next. And I, oh, I doubt they will just because Jeff Johns is so busy, but I hope they keep this going long term. Yeah, and I hope I finally can shout Shazam and get the powers. Did it happen? I just said it. I think you have to shout it. Oh. And you have to mean it. Shazam. That's good. Mm. New Mutants number two from Marvel Comics. This is continuing the other book that Jonathan Hickman is writing along with X-Men. This issue in particular felt like, and I think we talked about this with the first issue, but it felt like such a shaggy hangout book to me, and I love it. Yeah. It feels like he's just kicking around having some fun. Yeah. He's just... Which is okay. X-Men is these insane, huge ideas. Even uh, like the second issue of uh, the new X-Men comic was Cyclops and his two kids that now he's referring to as kids. Uh, trying to fight through two islands. Trying that to are break mating. up some island fucking. Yeah. Either try to chaperone <laughs> a little land on land action. Yeah. So all of that is going on here. Meanwhile, the again, New Mutants, international waters. Right. The New Mutants are in space. They're trying to track down Sam Guthrie. They got arrested. Sam kind of not exactly breaks them out. They hang out for a little bit and then they go on a new adventure. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. It feels like the classic New Mutants book um, in that they would just go on like weird adventures into sort of outside the X-Men universe. They were like kids who were play around in the kids universe. It felt like sort of Legionnaires-esque uh, to into the DC universe. Um, and so this definitely feels like it's following in that line. Um, but again, like getting into sort of the weirder characters, uh, the weirder parts of the characters, like Roberto DaCosta's sort of a dick. 
Uh, and he's great. He he's writes. Great. Hickman writes a great sunspot. Yeah, uh, and he narrates most of the issue, which is a lot of fun. There's also a character in here that showed up. I want to say it was Rob Williams' run on Rocket Raccoon, who is <laughs> he's the amphibian lawyer whose name is Murd Blurdock. Yeah, and he is a blind amphibian intergalactic lawyer and the best lawyer in the universe. Uh, and there's this, uh, if you can track it down, track down the issue of Rocket Raccoon where he defends wow. him in space because the entire thing is just like, his name is Bird Blurdock. And they're like, yeah, but you're actually the superhero known as Blur Devil or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 absolutely not. And there's just, they riff off of that the entire time, are very merciless about Daredevil through this character. And it's absolutely ridiculous. So I love that he's bringing in stuff like that. And he's a bad book. lawyer. He's a terrible lawyer. He needs his own uh, Nagy, Nagy Flurson. He does have a Nagy Flurson or whatever it is in the Rocket Raccoon book. Yeah. Uh, and then Electra shows up in the back of the courtroom is like, hey, going to fight ninjas. Come help. And he's like, I have to go. That's so fun. It's a fun little bit. Uh, I have a question for you. Oh, good. I've, I've been wanting to ask you this for a while. I forgot to ask about the first issue, and I feel like you'd be the person to know. Chamber. Yes. Right? So as far as I remember, Chamber's deal was he had Cyclops' powers, but under control, and accidentally blasted off his chin when he first got his powers, right? No. No Cyclops. He has a psionic force that um, because he didn't identify his powers uh, at the right time because he was growing up in a house that like was anti-mutant, it uh, exploded and took out from his nose down to his chest. Okay, yeah. but whatever it was, it was an accident, right? Yeah, it was because his powers are manifesting and he couldn't control them. So He was a more of a metaphor. So why, when they can bring anybody back in their ideal body, does Chamber still have no chin? Well, um, I think there's, there have been some issues of like Generation X where Chamber does have his full face. Okay. Uh, but I also think, uh, I mean, I don't know. That's potentially just a weird thing they haven't figured right. out yet. But also it may be that he feels comfortable this way and that's the way he wants to be. Yeah. He's got to just, he's British, so he loves a nice scarf. Mm-hmm. And that just covers up the psionic hole in his uh, face. Maybe he's like, ah, don't want to cha- shave. And then he just blasts off the bottom of his yeah, face. Like, oh, don't want to shave. <laughs> Keep my face blown. <sighs> All right. Thanks for answering that question. Hey, anytime. Let's move on to an indie comic book. This is from an old comedy friend of ours back in the day named Rob Casey. It's a book called Cyborg USA, number one. Uh, you can check out the book right now on Indiegogo, I yep. believe. I think they're crowdfunding for a second issue, though I'm not 100% sure. And the idea of this book is there's a gymnastics team, ends up in a train crash, gets blasted. They, uh, they're good at gymnastics, but they also stop a terrorist attack. Yes. So they're heroes. And then they get blasted to pieces and become the team Cyborg USA, end up fighting some evil menaces. What would you think about the book, Justin? You know what this reminded me of? It are a lot like, do you ever watch Bionic 6 when you were oh, a kid? Oh, yeah. It was a cartoon uh-huh. in the like, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I think I watched reruns on like USA or something weird like that, I want to guess. Um, but it was a family who went through a similar thing. They were in an accident uh, of some sort, and they all of their body parts were replaced with... Uh, cyborg things, and I was like very pleasantly reminded of that. Um, and it seems like this has because they're all adults. There's a, maybe a nefarious government thing happening here. Yeah, there's also it's definitely it's going for comedy stuff throughout. Yeah. So it felt like 
that maybe meets Team America World Police a little bit. Yeah. Uh, where it's irreverent. There's some gross stuff. There's some sex jokes, etc. Um, but I, I thought it was fun. I, I, I was also pleasantly surprised. I'm very curious what the, the villain, the, the red skirts. Yes. Uh, why they took on the skirt as a unifying. I don't know. Maybe they thought it rhymed with red shirt. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true, and I guess uh, that maybe that is just a fun joke. The uh, most evil thing that a person could do is rhyme. Yeah, we all know that all the time. Oof, you're dead. <laughs> Last one to talk about. This is from DC Comics Hill House line. Basket full of heads. Number one, the uh, number two. Excuse me. Uh, this is from Joe Hill, who is the head of the line, and the he, head of the line. <laughs> the head of the line. You get what I did there. Now, the first issue of the book is set on this island. Uh, we don't really get to see the basket full of heads, but we do get to meet a couple of characters, including a upright young police officer who seems to be interning or just working uh, for the police over the summer. He has a girlfriend. Practice cop. Practice cop. I uh, very much in love with this girl. Uh, they're hanging around with the chief of police and his wife, and there's a big storm hitting. At the same time the big storm hits, a bunch of convicts escape, and that's where we pick up this issue. Uh I thought this was great. It's so good. This is so... It feels like uh, like a 70s uh, sort of horror thriller movie. Um, and it's so well-paced. It's so well-drawn. Uh, it, you feel like you're just there with them. And the stuff that happens is, I won't spoil it, uh, is so good. And this, the action sequences are so well-played. Two things that I loved about this issue in particular, again, without delving too far into spoilers is the sense of time. Like, literally, they're following a clock at certain points. Yeah. And it's mostly silent. It's just the art that you're looking at. Uh, but you get to see the sense of tension as it continues, as it paces out through the scene, uh, which I thought was great. Uh, the other thing that I thought was great is we completely flip perspectives this issue. You spend most of the first issue... Very similar to like an alien movie or something else where it's, oh, you're focusing on this heroic male character. Of course, he's going to be the main character of the book. But nope, not at all. It's actually the female character who is left alone in this issue and has to fight her way out. Um, again, really well crafted, really fun, good horror, funny, too, and yeah. dark. Uh, I uh, we're only beginning with the concept of the book by the end, but I'm very excited to see where it goes. And I'm very curious to see uh, if this is a supernatural tale or a psychological tale. Oh, if you okay. get my meaning, I do. Uh, without spoiling it, but still talking about it. Right. A basket full of heads is kind of a shirt as well. Like a oh. shirt can hold, be a basket. Yeah. It's holding your head up. Uh, oh, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> I think. Are you? Did you eat a bunch of turkey and are feeling uh, yeah, tired? Yeah, I, I brined it for how long are you supposed to do a full week? Forty-five minutes. Full week outside. Just forty-five minutes is all Just you leave need. Leave it outside for a week. Yeah, that's what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, when and the raccoons start picking at it, you know it's ready. Toss it in the freezer and then throw it in the deep fryer. Yeah, done into it. If you this is one of my favorite books um, that has come out. Oh lately. wow! Really liking it. All right, definitely pick that up. If you would like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about comics. Justin, what do you want to plug? Uh, you can friend us on Facebook and also follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. Now to slide into this ice cold. Old waterbed. Kind of
Just love.